All right, and Helen, welcome everybody to another episode of EM Over Easy. I've got with me at the table uh, three previous guests. You guys can go around the table and introduce yourselves. Hey, John Casey. Andrew Pacetti. And Travis Homer. So you guys have no idea what we're going to talk about. Nope. It was list. are you available, right? Nobody knows what we're going to talk about. Right. Correct. So I wanted to bring you guys all on. I've been doing a lot of reading lately about accomplishments and about getting to, you know, the Mount Everest in life. And I think in, in a training standpoint, you know, from a physician standpoint, you know, you get into medical school, you graduate medical school, well, you match, then you graduate medical school, and then you get your first, you graduate from residency, you get your first job, you know, you get, get board certified. And then there's this like abyss of the, so now what? I, I was trying to go through like, what are best practices to, you get to the, so now what stage, you know, you've done all the things that were required of you and then you're there and you've arrived. And what, now what do you do? The now what, huh? The now what? Yeah. When, uh, when, when there's no, like, there's no guide out there. Yeah, right? There's you no know, more checklist to follow. After, you know, there's no more merit gone, badges you've, to get. You've, you've fellowed or you've done whatever yeah. it was you want to do. And you guys are all at different stages of your career. I mean, Travis has been out for almost 12 years. Yeah. This is my 11th year out. Yeah. yeah. pacetti has been out for third year, f- working on his fourth mm-hmm. and John's been out for going on his seventh year. So yeah. if, if somebody was to ask you, so you get to the South, the, the, so now what moment? Yeah. How do you handle that? Because I feel like there's this is uncharted territory. I, you know, we're all members of the EM Docs Facebook page. Most of these posts are literally like the "so now what's." Yeah. So I did all this. I'm in my job. So now what am I supposed to do? I had a wise mentor a long time ago that told me if you stop reaching, you stop growing. And so I try and do this fine balance of being happy with what I have, but also looking for what else might be out there, what isn't being done. And so, gosh, even you know. Teaching residents, which is what I love doing, I, I try and find spaces within that that I haven't explored yet. Ways to make it different, ways to reach different residents, uh, ways to to reach patients and talk to them differently, and things like that. So it kind of lets you lets you have the best of both worlds, right? You're happy with what you have, but you also don't just show up every day and then it's just another job. That would be the thing that would kill me, right? If it mm-hmm. was, if it was just a job, I, I don't think I could do it. But yeah, that's my tack on it. Yeah, I think it's easy just to get running, get your practice up, and then hit the daily grind. You know, get the paycheck, work your hours, come home, do it again, rinse and repeat, and that will wear on you quickly. So finding your independent niche, what you appreciate about medicine, about emergency medicine, that you know, whether it be recruiting, education, leadership, there are a lot of opportunities to explore. And you need to look inside and see what makes you happy. Developing relationships with your colleagues. You've put off a lot of your relationships over the years of training to get to where you are. I think when you start graduating, I've only been out a few years now, but I've kind of done a 180 and looked back at some of my friends in college I've kind of lost touch with. And we've developed some relationships that kind of went to the wayside when I was doing all my training. And now we've kind of re-sparked some old relationships with some of my buddies, some of my friends and uh, family members. I think looping back around to them is is good for just wholesome happiness, yeah. essentially. Yeah, I, I agree with that, that when you get right out of residency, I think that's a really good opportunity to focus on you and really figure out, you know, what type of, of life you want to set for yourself. And then the other thing I, that I was really surprised at is how willing people are to give people opportunities just by putting your name in the hat. You know, they, it's, it's unbelievable that you can be the youngest doc on the staff and you can very quickly hold leadership positions yeah. just by taking that risk and taking that chance. And so 
I think, you know, figuring out some things that you want to do outside of working at the bedside, you know, so that you can either fulfill things that make you happy or you can impact patients on a bigger scale. Just give it a shot and and you'd be real surprised at the opportunities that you're handed. So let's say that, you know, you're out, you've done all the merit badge stuff that we talked about, and then you've, you get in a rut. So I think you guys have all talked about how you guys have done it, but what's, what's a, a good indicator that you're there in the rut and then maybe... What's a good way to get out of it? I hit my first rut because they're definitely there, right? I mean, we're, we're all human, even, even though I would say, you know, looking around the table, you guys are all certainly mentors in different aspects of life or things that I do. Um, and I consider it to be a pretty uh, honorable group of folks here. So even the highest functioning amongst us have days where you wake up and you go, is this really my life? And so I did all of that for this. And I think that it for me, when I have that, when I have that day, that's when I realize I'm definitely in a rut. And for me, the first thing that I do when I have that, I look for the, the gratitude and the attitude. First of all, you were lucky to wake up that day. That wasn't a guarantee. So, you know, getting out of bed, big check plus, or, or even if you're still laying there because you're really bummed about your life, at least you opened your eyes. That concept of, looking at what you have. And the other thing too is just kind of owning, right? If if you're in a place where you're in a rut, you got there, right? Every decision you made in your life and everything that happened kind of led to that. Life is constantly changing, right? It doesn't mean you have to stay there. And I think that's the the great thing. I was talking with actually somebody just earlier today and and one of the things they looked at me and they said was, you know, gosh, what's great about this job is you wake up one day and you realize you're in the wrong place, the wrong city, the, the wrong shop, the wrong patient mix, the wrong, everything's wrong. You know, 90 days, you can be somewhere else yeah. doing, right? And the fact of the matter is that the people around you are going to understand that. I don't know that anybody's ever been like, you know, no, don't go be happy. That's never um, been said to you before? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, you know, even the the meanest people I know, I don't think have ever said it. They may have thought it, but, but they certainly didn't say it where I could reach their face. So, you know, it was, it's never been that. I, I think having gratitude about where you're at and recognizing that you have the ability to change that every day. You just, you make the decision, right? If you're not, if you're not happy where you are, you know, move yourself, do something, go somewhere, do a different job, ask a different question, show up with a different attitude. Yeah. I'll jump on that as far as we've all been successful. We've all got to where we are by hard work and perseverance and we usually have the answers to a lot of our questions. I really tend to start focusing now on leaning on those that are closest to me, you know, your spouse, your significant other, and just doing just a a wellness check because your outward projection may look totally different from your significant others around you compared to what you think it is. So you may feel like you're happy and things are going well, but people can sense that, you know, you're, you're kind of hitting a block, you're hitting an area where you just don't seem like you're getting the most out of life in general. So I think taking a minute just to have those mental breaks and just say, hey, how are things going? Ask your significant other, ask your spouse, and they'll tell you how they perceive how you're doing. So I think leaning on them to give you a kind of a a feel for how your outward projections looking and maybe that's a chance to make a change and have a positive response. Mm -hmm. It's just too easy to get stuck into this is what I do and I've always had the right answers. And, you know, it's sometimes it's good just to take another look at that. Yeah, the, I, I agree with what everybody's saying. The, the the measuring stick for me, the warning system that I use, if if I'm in the ER and you know I hear an ambulance call in, or 
I hear the sound of a patient triaging in or something happening in the ER, and I'm irritated that a patient is showing up to my ER, something is wrong with me. I step back and say, what, what's going on with me? No matter how busy I am, I should, there's no reason I should get upset that somebody else is coming seeking help from me. That's what I'm trained to do. And then, so my fallback recently has been really getting into the positive psychology. I love, I love that. And, and I think that we're really prone to seeing the negative around us because that's what we're trained to do. You know, what is wrong with this patient? What is wrong with that? What is wrong with this situation? That's what we are so focused on. And anything good or normal that comes to us, a normal white count or whatever, you discount it. It's not relevant to you anymore, but you are focused on the abnormals. I think there's some really good literature and different ways out there. Uh, there's a book called The Happiness Advantage by Sean Anker, who I, I really would recommend that book. I think it's a, got some easy tips and things that people can do. What I will start doing if I'm having those things is just do uh, three daily things that, that were great. And they don't have to be anything big. Yeah. They just have to be specific. Like I ran into somebody that I hadn't seen for a while and had a quick conversation and small but specific things that happened in your day that were good. Yeah. Um, and you do become more aware of of all of the good things that are happening around mm -hmm. you. Yeah. No, and when I was thinking about this, and you, you guys kind of spurred the thought, as I still remember uh, when I was at PGY2, I got to work a Thursday afternoon with Travis when he was still working at our shop. And I remember it was one of those, I wasn't having a bad day, but my senior was. And Travis kind of gave this particular kind of talk to them. And they said, and he said, go see your next patient and tell me you don't have a good life. And the resident went and saw the next patient. And it was, you know, the universe speaking to the resident yeah. where he came out of the room and he was like, thanks, Travis. I needed that reset. And I yeah. think that one thing is, as, as a clinical Wisdom provider, flows when <laughs> <open>. <laughs> uh, but, but I still remember that whenever I've had one of those kind of moments, I've had that patient encounter that has kind of just like put things in perspective, Yeah. whether it's a bad cardiac arrest or whether it's a, a diagnosis I've had to give, or even just something simple where you know, I still remember one when I was a, when I was a chief, it was a young mom bringing in her two year old at two o'clock in the morning where I was just like, what is wrong with this lady? It's two o'clock in the morning. I almost had a cleared board. I almost won the game and she had to come in and ruin it. And then I saw this young mom who had no resources, no help there with her two year old. And I really kind of put it in perspective of. This is why I actually became a doctor. It wasn't to judge her, but it was to take care of her. That was uh, a good Travis Jedi story. You want to hear a Jedi Master story on Travis? Um, I don't know if you remember I would this. I to hear the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know that I ever told you this, but I was working a clinical shift where I was ending the shift and Travis was coming in and we had like an hour of overlap. The day for me had been exceptionally easy. Everything was firing. Like every patient I saw was nice. They were grateful. I was grateful. I had a great job. It was a beautiful day. It was an early shift. Everything was like sunshine and roses. And exactly 15 minutes before your shift ends and your partner gets there, there is some rule that's written somewhere that they have to find everyone in the geographic location and, and load them into your pod so it looks as if you haven't been working for the day. And Travis came in. You came in and you put your stuff down and you, you jiggle the mouse and you saw the tracking board. And you just kind of like shook your head inside. You're just like, I just knew this was going to happen. I just, you just like deflated. It was, and what was for me, what was interesting, I'd never seen that, right? Mm. I'd never seen that behavior at all. It's, it's that fundamental attribution, right? It was like, man, he must be having a bad day. He must have run over a small child on his way to work. I don't know. Something <laughs> clearly is, is not going to have, you know, and you're just like, look at all these people in the, you stopped and you turned and you walked away. 
Now you had never said anything like, Hey John, or, you know, morning, evening, anything. You kind of, you kind of went off and you're gone for like two minutes. And I thought, Ooh, somebody's getting fired or, you know, something. <laughs> About two minutes later, you came back around the corner. You looked at me and you said, sorry, I had to see that man. And I was like, what? And, and you go, I don't know why I was frustrated. I just need to take a moment to reset. I'm good now. How's your day been? It was really fascinating to me because I had never seen you have that issue. And it was actually a, a little bit refreshing <laughs> to know that, that even the AAAA team has those moments, right? So you feel like, okay, we all have those. And the second thing was you were just like, yeah, I expect those moments. I fixed it. I'm good to go. And I thought, man. And the, and the funny part was he didn't even need a patient to reset it. You just did it yourself. So I don't know what you, one of those magic two minutes, I don't know if there's an empty bottle of Jim Bean or, you know, no. There's I, a closet yeah, where he can there, yell really, really a, loud. Yeah, exactly. But it was, it was really nice because you got to see that other side that like everybody. And I think that's the thing, right? Like, everybody has that experience. We all think we're the only ones that have ever had that. Mm -hmm. And when you hear other people say, oh, no. And I think that's what's so important when you when you do the the talk that you do on, you know, my worst shift. Mm -hmm. Those types of things are really important to remind people, like, you are not the only person that's ever walked in and saw a completely full board, <laughs> you know, and just thought, you know, and th but that that's okay. And that there's something you can do about it other than just sit down and go on the grind. So yeah, that was like, for me, that was a great moment because I learned, I mean, it really became true because you do, you create, you, you have the role models that you set up where you, where you're like, you know, oh, that person never stumbles. They never miss their intubations. They never have a bad day. They're always that reality that they create that number one, and number two, that they do have bad days. They just have better coping mechanisms yeah, yeah. Is, is so important. So, yeah. I appreciate Thank, that story. Yeah, I, I, you know, that, I don't remember that at all, but yeah. you know, those moments definitely happen. And I've learned over time that I need to figure out a way to be happy doing this job because I spent a lot of time to do this, and this is what I loved doing. And it's a me problem. You know, the environment around me, people are going to come no matter what situations are going to happen. And so I need to figure out how to, how to reset my mind. Uh, there's some really good literature out there. And one of the, a very simple formula that, uh, that's kind of floating around the, the football world right now is the E plus R equals O. So the event plus your response determines the outcome. The only thing that you can control is your response. Right. So like in that moment, I, I probably told myself, listen, I'm going to have to see these patients and I'm either going to see them in a good mood or I'm going to see them in a bad mood. I better get my button gear and turn things around right now because I want to have a better, a better shift. The event is happening no matter what. Yeah. Let's work on my response because, you know, none of these patients deserve me to be upset about them being there. None of them deserve that. And I think you have to have that realization. If you realize that you're going down a, a, just a, a bad pathway, you're feeling bad, your, your nurses are already going to start you know, feeding off of your negative energy, and before you know it, your entire department can go into kind of just a red mode. And that's just anger. You, you hear the tones drop for someone going out calling 911, and you get angry in that pit in your stomach. And that's, that's not healthy mentally, physically, and that the whole department can go down. And if you had that moment where you just close your eyes, take a deep breath, a cleansing breath, reset, 
and then go from a positive perspective, take that redness out, and then that feeds off to the rest of your department. Even your patients, you know, they, they sense your negative uh, mm-hmm. energy in their room too. I think if you come in with a positive attitude, and I've kind of gleaned all of my, you know, my, my experience comes off of how I see you guys interact when I was training. And I, I really do take that mental note, that pause, cleansing breath, restart, just like you did when John John had, had seen you do it. And I, I do that to this day. Mm-hmm. And it's too easy just to let go and let everything just go down the negative path. And, you know, that's the least resistance, but it creates the most negative energy. It takes energy to put the positive back into your shift. And the sooner you can do it, the better off your shift's going to be. I don't have any evidence behind it, but, man, it sure seems like if you're in that downward spiral, there has to be some consequences to our clinical judgment. It, it's just, yeah, there it, has to you, be. No. you have, yeah. you have, there's no way you can be on top of your game in that mindset. Yeah. And so that's just, you know, not only your own mental health, but just think about it from the patient care side. If there's any, if you need a reason why, why you should try to do this, giving the patients the best outcome possible, the best care you can provide, what more do you need? Yeah. That is the reason to do this. Right. You said that's the number one reason. God, for me, that's the the number two reason, right? The number one reason is your own mental. Mm -hmm. I mean, why do you want to carry around? Why do you want to burn your energy on just unhappiness? Um, And you're right. Like, I don't, I don't have any science behind it, but we've all in teaching residents seen cases where their view was jaded right by some, something that had nothing to do with that patient. It's probably not science behind it because it's an uncomfortable question. It's an uncomfortable question. If everybody was to honestly say, in the last month, right. has your anger changed your clinical judgment? The answer yeah. would be yes. Exactly. Because And it's not just residents. Yeah. And one of the clinicians that I really hold in high regard as being a great clinical provider, one morning, sign out, you know, hey, this patient in bed, whatever, is throwing a fit and being mean to the nurses. And if they want to leave, just let them leave. That was the sign out. Are they okay? Are they sick? Oh, no. They, you know, they've been to like two other hospitals and, you know, now they're here and they want, they're asking for Dilaudid and not letting the nurse put the IV in. And I already have painted in my head this picture, but this was a night I had good rest and everything was good. And I hear this like horrible retching, vomiting sound. And I go around the corner and this lady it's is vomiting. Yeah, exactly. Is <laughs> sitting with a, you know, sitting on a bedside commode with a, you know, puke pail in her lap vomiting and in between, you know, sputtering gas, telling me how the doctor is mean and the nurse is mean and they're just going to leave. And I'm like, you can't even pick your head up. What? Are you, how are you going to leave? Like, look, let's just do a reset. You know, I'm your doctor now. I'm a very nice guy. Can we try this again? The nurse wants to give you medicine. She needs to do an IV to do that. Right. Let's reset it. About 10 minutes later, phone call, hey, lab, critical result, just so you know, their pH is 6.8, mm-hmm. you know, glucose too high to read, yeah. right? That was a big eye-opening moment for me of when I go in, like really standing on my tiptoes on the soapbox, the bigger the box, the, the longer the fall. And I think you're right. It definitely impacts what you're willing to do for sure. And I think the biggest thing it impacts is the amount of time you're willing to listen, which is we know is kind of the, the thing in emergency medicine, right? We listen until they tell us what's actually wrong. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for hanging out and, and being willing to, to record this. You guys didn't know what the topic was going to be episode. I think this went in a really good direction. So uh, until next time, guys, thanks so much.
Well, thanks so much, guys, for checking out this episode of EM Over Easy. Don't forget to follow us on social media, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Until next time, guys, thanks so much. Thanks so much.